pardon us. Let's all pray. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. You know, it's, it's great to be here, and uh, August 8th is a, is a great day. It's a four-year anniversary of this church, and I'm excited to see that happen. And Dennis, I'll tell you right now that uh, that's also my anniversary, 31 years. So, what a relief. I won't be at the meeting. No, but if you're a covenant member or partner, I really do encourage you to go. I am very grateful uh, to be here, to even to witness the growth that's taking place in your pastor. I think it's fantastic that it was it was over 10 years ago. It's, uh, how long have we, when you started Christ Community, 84, 80, 80, 94, something like that? 16 years. I'll tell you, when, when I first saw Dennis and saw his heart for God, I noticed that God had his hand on him for things. And it was a pleasure to watch him develop under Jim Bennett at Christ Community. And so just to see the seasoning that's taking place in his life, and then you get to witness, and I'm sure you appreciate. I certainly do, having seen him and now coming back to see him in operation, that God's still got his hand on you, Dennis. Amen. And it's a good thing. It's a beautiful work. Let's praise God for that work that he's doing in your pastor. It reminds me of that verse from Ephesians, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh, four good works that he has ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we're all part of his workmanship. But, uh, Dennis, it does give my heart. It makes me glad to see how God is continuing to mature you. And, you know, there's more for you to grow into, too. It's not as if you've already attained, and you know that. But there is more for you to develop. And I, I, I am rejoicing with you on the path that you're taking, especially in spiritual discipline and trying to find that uh, level of guidance for your life. I pray that God really multiplies your heart and your talents and your capacity to pastor, to preach with insight and the word that you continue to be an effective man of God here in this place because he's called you for this and he's, a, he's appointed you for a work that's really only begun. That uh, what, what you see here, what, what's happening here is just the beginning of what's taking place. And there's more. There's, a, there's an expanding of what God is going to do in your heart first, in your heart and ministry, and then that, that spills out. So to the glory of God, it's for his glory that he's doing this. It's his work. And so we just praise him for those things. Um, I also I just want to say thank you, Dennis, for this chance to be here today. It's, it's, uh, it's really a privilege to be able to use gifts uh, that God's given uh, that have been kind of on the sideline for a while, and I'm really grateful for the chance. You don't know uh, what it's like unless you do this, um, how God kind of works, has to work in your heart to get you ready to, to say something. At least that's how I find it to be in my case. And so to have an opportunity to preach is requires that I make myself ready. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And I pray that what's spoken here today will be effective to you. It will strengthen you. My, my prayer is that these words will make you a stronger believer today and will set you possibly on a course that will make you effective in your life as a Christian. 
And my, that's my goal, that this would build you up to that degree. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, talk to yourself. Anybody out there who would like to talk to yourself? Maybe you're just embarrassed to raise your hand, but congratulations, it's the greatest thing going. I mean, talking to yourself helps keep your sanity, and I am so glad for the progress in our technology that we can now have these phones that just hang down here like these wires, you know, like, like this thing. You've seen those phones, and so many times I see people walking through a crowded place just talking. Yeah, yeah, we need to do that. I know that. I don't think they're really talking to somebody on the phone. At least, I want to get myself one of those so I could just, yeah, we need to do this. And then before we, yes, exactly, that's exactly, and there's nobody there. It's okay, because I'm listening. You know, when you talk to yourself, you're listening to yourself. It helps you process what you're doing. But you know, the words that you say to yourself about yourself are incredibly important. Now, when you speak about yourself, to yourself, most often you say something when you do something wrong or when you're disappointed. You know what I'm saying? You say, oh man, what a loser, you might say. Right? How, are, you, are you with me on this? Do anybody, can you admit that you sometimes say negative words about yourself, especially in a situation when you know, you're disappointed with an outcome? My mother is 86 years old and uh, she finished high school, and that's all in terms of her formal education, but she is a very smart and intelligent and hardworking woman. She became an administrator of a home in, in Waterbury before she retired, but she has this habit of really speaking negatively about herself. And it's funny, at 86, she's trying to, she has successfully learned how to get on the computer, get online, and do the internet, do email thing. But often through that, she gets frustrated, and she'll say things like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And she's not. She is, she is incredibly smart, but I learned this from her. So I do the same thing sometimes. I say things about myself I, in a disparaging way that when I'm frustrated with myself, I describe myself in negative terms. Anybody else do that? Yeah, you know, what we say about ourselves is very important. Now, if we take away that moment of frustration when we're negative, if we speak about ourselves when things are going great, how often do you say, wow, you're brilliant? (laughs) How often do you speak about yourself and say, man, you are did that great. You are fantastic. Where did, how did you, anybody? Oh, just a few people. But so how come it's so easy for us to be negative about ourselves, but not to be affirming about ourselves? I'm, it's just curious. I mean, mostly because we think if I go around saying I'm brilliant, you know, nobody's going to be want to be around. Me. Because, you know, nobody likes arrogance or that kind of thing. But there has to be something where we, the words that we say, because they're powerful, the Proverbs say that words can bring life or they can bring death. And what you say about yourself is vitally important. Now, 
all of you have an identity about you can define yourself. You have, your identity starts with your name. And then you, if you begin to define who you are, you talk about what you do. Right? Usually our identity is focused about who we are, our name, and then it's about our function, what we do. And believe it or not, this is an incredibly true spiritual principle that God demonstrates for us throughout the Bible. His name and His function follow. He describes who He is. I am the great I am who will take you out of Egypt. Uh, Moses says, who shall I say? Set them. Identity. Who are you? Who am I going to say is sending me? I am the God of your fathers, the fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The great I am. I am sending you. His name defines who he is. It also defines what he does. All throughout Scripture, that's why they had Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus for why? That's his name. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. His name is Emmanuel. Why? Because that means God is with us. It, a name defines who he is, and it defines his, the function spiritually. So identity and purpose go together. And I believe if your identity about who you are is not squared in your mind about who you are in a spiritual sense, you will not be effective in a spiritual way. If you're not clear about who you are in Christ, then you will not have an effective ministry with Christ. Because effective ministry begins with a knowledge of who I am. If you look through um, even Moses in that Exodus chapter 3, when he was meeting with God, and God was saying, I am going to do this and I want you to go to Pharaoh. Moses said, I believe it was in chapter 3 verse 10, Who am I? Who am I that I should go down and lead these people? And many of us respond that way, and I want to say that's a proper response. When God says, you are going to do something effective for me, to you, to each of us, and he does. God has something for each of us to do. And a a great response is, well, Lord, who, who am I that I should do that for you? There is a level of humility that is valued in that when we say, who am I to do such a thing? In, in Exodus 3, that's exactly what Moses said. Another Old Testament illustration is in, in Judges chapter 6, where Gideon is out in a, in a hole. He's going through the wheat, getting rid of the chaff. He's hiding because the Midianites are ready to come through and take it, take the wheat away from him. So he's hiding there. And an angel of God appears to him and says, Hello, uh, Greetings, mighty warrior. And, of course, um, Gideon doesn't think he's a mighty warrior. And later, after God says, you are going to deliver the people from all these, the, the plan is this, mighty warrior, what does he do? He delivers the people. That's what he's going to do. Identity and function go together. And he says, uh, I'm just like the lowest person in Manasseh. How? Am I going to do that? Who am I to do that? And that's the right response. And in both cases, and with Moses in Exodus 3, and with Gideon in Judges 6, and in countless other places, 
God says the same thing. You know what he says? Anybody? Know that God's response, what makes it possible for them, who, who are these people, to do something great with God? You're close. God said he will provide. You're very close. Yes, I am in you and I am with you. This is what God says. And I want you to catch the power of this in shaping who you are. Moses says, who am I to do this great thing? God says, I will be with you. What makes Moses capable of doing such a great thing? God is with him. Gideon says, I'm the lowest of the whole tribe of Manasseh. I can't. I'm a nobody. The angel says, the Lord is with you. Go in this your strength. The very presence of God is what makes it possible for him to do it. I'm nobody. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And how true is that? Who am I to do anything? But Jesus said it himself, didn't he? Lo, I am with you always. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. I will give you the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever. The presence of God is what makes it possible for us to accomplish anything for God. Because God is with me. You see this? So identity is suddenly shaped and changed from who I am, my, this is my name, I'm Joel, I'm a painter, this is what I do, to I am Joel, I'm a child of God, and God lives in me, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. You see, we have plenty of definitions for our life on this earth, and we need them, identifications, things that define us by what we do in our function. But I'm asking you today, do you have a spiritual definition of who you are? Because you need one. You need a definition of who, an identity of who you are in a spiritual sense. Otherwise, you're not going to accomplish anything. I'm Joel. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a painter. But I'm Joel. I'm a child of God. I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach and to lead people in worship. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm a friend of Jesus Christ, and this is who I am. And we have that. That is a definition, an identity definition of who we are in Christ that I dare say, I I doubt any of us say to ourselves. Do you say anything like that about you, about that's true in Christ about who you are? If you don't talk to yourself that way, you need to. Because your identity in Christ and who you are shapes what you do. Jesus said the same thing to Peter in Matthew 16. He said, um, he was asking, what are people saying about me? Peter said, you are the Christ. And remember what Jesus said? I say, your name is Cephas, new identity. And upon this rock, I will build my church. His identity, Peter, and exactly what he does. This whole thing about the Father revealing this truth in him. He is Peter. That's his identity and what will flow out of his life. 
Now, what would God say about you? And what will you say about yourself, especially in terms of what you're calling? This is what the message is about, and I want to teach you how to do this. And it's a scriptural idea that you should speak about yourself with truth and power. And I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, to John chapter 1. This is, that was just the introduction. Yeah. You know, that's the problem when you don't preach for a while. You get a chance to preach. There's a lot just got to come out, you know. You don't watch the clock here. I know, I understand that, so that's great. John chapter 1, verse 19, it says, This is the testimony of John the Baptist. John chapter 1 is, the Gospel of John introduces us to who Christ is in a way that's unlike the other three Gospels. There's a lot of unique things in the Gospel of John, including much about who John the Baptist is, that is not in the other Gospels. It gives us another insight into the life and ministry of Christ. So, John comes upon the scene, and let me just paint the picture According to the Gospel of Malachi, the Word of God had not been spoken for 400 years. Now, there are a lot of churches where it's like that, where God hasn't spoken for a long time. I don't know if you can imagine in a culture where they're accustomed to having prophets arise and say, Thus saith the Lord, but for for 400 years there's not been a word from God. You know, what happens when you don't hear from God for a long time? You get stale. You go through the motions. You you do this and you do that, and you go through the motions and just, just fit into things. And that's all this was. There's an emptiness about their life. If you don't hear from God, it's just going through this form without any power. And that's exactly what was happening in Israel at this time. 400 years, God hasn't spoken. Then suddenly... John the Baptist comes upon the scene, and he begins to preach. He preaches about repentance and coming back to God, of softening our hearts, of getting to know God better and coming back to the things you once knew, and loving the things that God loves, and calling, calling the people of God to be the people of God as they once were the followers of God to fo- actually follow God and and obey him again because people without the word of god we slide back into our own patterns of living that really don't honor god you know what i'm saying without the word of god we just do our own thing and think it's okay and it's not and we don't even realize we're so far away from how where we should be without the word of god that's what happens so john the baptist comes on the scene and he begins preaching and it's like suddenly a breath of fresh air in a hot, humid day, a cool breath, the Word of God comes. It's like a cold glass of water when it's parched. The Word of God comes, and it's, it's like honey on your lips. It's like it's something that you realize all of a sudden that you haven't had that, and your spirit begins to wake up, and you say, I've needed that. And John the Baptist had that effect when he began preaching because people who were going to the synagogue every week and just sitting down, going through the motions and saying, there's got to be more than this, heard him preach and went out to see him. And again, their hearts were alive again. 
it was like, this is what we're called to be. Something's working because the Word of God, you know what's present in the Word of God? God himself. And that's what we long for. The very presence of God in the Word of God makes us awake, alive. So they went out to hear John the Baptist and the people in the synagogue, the teachers in the synagogue, were seeing the effect of the Word of God on the hearts of people. They were alive. They were changing. They were different. And never happened when they were talking. Why? What's going on? How come all these people are going out to hear this guy? So it says uh, they had one of their meetings, the Pharisees, as they were prone to do. And they sent out some Levites and priests. I love that because Levites aren't often mentioned in the New Testament, but that's one of the places where they are mentioned. And I like to talk about Levites because they're the worshipers. But I'm not going to segue down there today. So they sent out John to, to talk to him, to see who he was. And this is what the text says. They asked him, who are you? It's a great question. Who are you? Are you the Christ? And you know what's awesome about that question? Wouldn't it be great to have people wonder about us as we follow Jesus? Wouldn't it be cool if we got mistaken for Jesus? I mean, let me, let me expand your possibilities of thought to consider that you might look so much like Jesus that someone might say, are you Christ? Now, that sounds like crazy. But there was a soldier, for example, who came home on leave who found a, a boy crying at Grand Central Station. He picked him up and said, well, what's the matter? I'm lost, can't find money. He, he picked him up, bought him an ice cream, helped him find his mom, reunited him, and just as... He handed the, the boy over to his mother. The boy said, are you Jesus? No. Yeah, why not? The things that we do reflect Christ. Isn't that what the scripture says anyway in Romans 8, 28? For, for God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, those who love him. For those he called, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you know that that's your destiny as a follower of Jesus? That you are to be conformed to the image of Christ? And so, my identity is, I'm Joel who's looking like Jesus. That's my goal. Isn't that our, all of our goals is my identity? To become like Christ as Joel looks like? Everybody's going to be a little bit different. Betsy looks like Jesus. And every one of you looks like Jesus as you follow him. That's the goal. We are destined to be conformed to his image. So it's not too much to think that we might be mistaken for him. I hope someday by the things I do, the works that I do, perhaps someone would say, are you Jesus? And then I could say, I can, as the scripture says, you know, John says the very thing. He confessed and did not deny, but he confessed. That's the next verse in John, if you're following along. John confessed he did not deny but confessed in the New American Standard. That's a, that's a weird verse, don't you think? He confessed. He did not deny, but he confessed that he was not the Christ. Look at your hands there. I, I think this is great. 
Every once in a while, you got to say, do you see any scars there? You know what? I am not Christ. That's a relief. It's a relief that I'm not Christ, because all those burdens that you maybe some of you are carrying some incredible burdens in your life, just check your hands. You know what? If you don't have the scars there, it's not your, that to solve these big problems, not your responsibility. Some things you look at that are just beyond your responsibility to do, it's good to say, no, no scars there. It's not my job to save them. I'd, as much as I want to see change there, they're yours. They're not mine. See that? John confesses. He doesn't deny, but he confesses. Just a little aside about what we say. The confession of our mouth has power. The denial to say, I am not the Christ, is indeed a truth and sets us free from that sense of being a Savior to everybody. But do you know that when you confess something positively, it has power? If you want to change, for example, say you want to lose weight, and you say, I am not going to eat sweets. I am not going to eat sweets. You know, that's a denial. I am not going to eat sweets. It's a negative. You know what happens? You want sweets, right? The very thing you say, I am not going to do this. I am not going to do this. No matter what it is, I am not going to smoke, whatever it is. I'm not going to spend hours on the computer playing games. I'm not going to do that. If any, anything that you do that you say, I don't want to do, when you put it in the negative, in the denial, it has power still over your life. Because when we say, I'm not going to, those are the very things we do. So what's the secret? Instead of saying, I'm not going to eat sweets, you say, I'm going to eat healthy food. I'm going to eat healthy food. I'm going to eat healthy food. And then, and then you do. The very things you begin to confess becomes true about your life. So if you are in the mode of reform, wanting to do something, and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore, I am not going to, as good as your intention is, you're only setting yourself up for failure. Instead, whatever you're not going to do, define it in a positive way. I am going to read my Bible every day. I'm reading my Bible every day. I am reading in the morning every day. You see the difference? Try it. I guarantee if you say it positively, it's more effective. Anyway, back to the story. A little aside, John says, I am not the Christ. Well, they say, who are you then? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? No, no. Who are you? And so I love the, the next verse, which I don't think I have it all memorized exactly right. But I want to say it to you. In John chapter 1, it's so powerful when he says this. Then they said to him, verse 22, Who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? When I read that recently, that, that phrase just, bang, pounced on me. What do you say about yourself? And what do you say about yourself? Are you into those negative descriptors of yourself? I'm not this, I'm not that, I fail, I'm this. I'll never amount to anything. Is that what you say about yourself? Those, those descriptions that you may use are not innocent sayings. They are powerful limiters to who you are and what you will be. If you want to be different and be who you're called to be, 
you must say about yourself a positive confession. And I'm not just saying something that's nice and, and sounds good. I'm going to show you this scripture, what John says. It's powerful. But what do you say about yourself? Do you say things about yourself that are true in Christ? It's time to start. You talk to yourself, talk to yourself about what is true in you, because it's a fascinating question. What do you say about yourself? You're not Christ, you're not this. Well, who are you? What do you say? How would you define yourself? I want to charge you today to come up with a description of who you are in Christ that, that's true about you. Everyone is going to be a little bit different. There are some things that are true for everyone. But I, I encourage you to write out what you would say about you that is true in Scripture. And begin to say, this is who I am. Let it shape your identity because if you know who you are in Christ, you won't be turned to the right or to the left when distractions come. If you know who you are in Christ, you are more able to say no to invitations to things that are wrong. Because you know who you are in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ, you are more able to do effective things because of who you are in Christ. To pray for someone. It all begins with, what do you say about yourself that's true? And I love John's response. Because John had an incredibly effective ministry, and I believe this is one of the secrets. God had his hand on his life from birth, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. So what made him effective in ministry? He knew who he was and what he was called to do. And his answer, in verse 23, he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. His answer, what do you say about himself, is a scripture. It's a scriptural prophetic word. Don't miss this. You know, you could say about yourself, oh, let's see, I'm a nice guy, I want to be physically fit, that's what I'm going to say about myself, I'm going to make a million bucks. Well, those are nice things, nice goals. What if you align yourself with the Word? What does the Word say? What is the prophetic Word about who you are? What does the Scripture say about who you are? And that's exactly what John took. This Old Testament prophet spoken 500 years before, this is who I am. I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And you know what? Because that's who he was, that's what he did. Because who you are defines what you do. If, you're, if your life is out of order, it's probably because your identity is skewed or confused or shaded. We're on the wrong side of the fence, John. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? He takes a scripture and says, this is who I am. So I want to encourage you, when you're talking about your identity in Christ, to take a scripture that is absolutely true and say, this is me. One of the greatest ones could be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. That's who I am. That's a scriptural promise. Another good one is what I alluded to, Ephesians 2.10. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God is working on me. I'm not done, but he is with me. I like just the one, who am I? I'm a child of God and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is living in me. That's who I am. It's a scriptural word that defines who I am and who we are in Christ. And I'll tell you what, when you begin to confess with your mouth what the Scripture says about you is true, you will begin to walk in power. You're standing on the Word, on what it says. And you know what? It's okay if your practice doesn't line up with this right now, all the time. It's okay. Because we are all a work in progress You can have this as a goal of what we want to be. I want to be like Christ. I'm going to organize my life around Him. And I realize as I say that, there's a lot of things in my life that aren't in line with that, that I've got to to work on. So, But I confess that not as if I'm already there, but as where I'm going, it shapes and directs my path. You see that? Even without being there. So you need a definition of yourself that is spiritually sound because your identity will affect what you do and how you live. I'll tell you, there are some people in here who are open to God, that God has plans for you to expand and and live in your heart, that you can make a powerful impact for the kingdom of God. There's several of you in here. And your identity in Christ is that you would be a mighty woman of God. Powerful in prayer for for some of you. To be effective in prayer ministry. And that's your identity in Christ. And for you to begin to speak it and confess it as what the Word says. Get a scripture and this is me and live on it. It will change your life. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? John said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make way the path of the Lord. You know what? It was so much not about him. And all for preparation for Christ. When your identity in Christ matches that caliber, you will be powerful. When you realize that who you are in Christ is for his glory and not so much about yourself, You know, the world teaches you about identity, that it's about you. You know what? Right here. Right here. Put that self, that whole thing about being for me. This is how I live so that my life could be good. This is where I'm going so that I get what I want and I'm fulfilled. Put it right there. Because you, who you are in Christ, John says, I'm a voice speaking about get ready for someone greater who's coming. Get ready for Christ. That's what it's about. It's not about me. God's using me powerfully. It's not about me. It's for Him. So that people could see Christ. And that's who you are in Christ. That's where your life is. Hidden in Christ. you keep your life, you will lose it, Jesus said. But if you lose your life, you will find it. What do you say about yourself? 
You may not have a spiritual definition of who you are in Christ, but you need one. And their scripture is full of them. My challenge to you this morning is to find one, because some something God is putting something on some of your hearts right now about who you are. God's tapping some of you on the shoulders and say, there's more from you that I want. You can give me more. I want to use you. You can hear that voice of God. He's speaking to you because you are a child of God. You're destined to be like Jesus. You're destined to make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's who you are. That's your identity, what God has called you to be. And that's what you need to begin to confess and agree about who you are and start to confess, not deny, but confess, this is who I am in Christ. And eventually, the more you say it, the more you'll live it. And you will see the fruit and the favor of God. But there's nothing better than having the very presence of God with you and in your life. There is nothing better that you could want from God but His presence. There's nothing No other gift that he desires for you other than his very presence. To be able to walk with God and to walk in his presence. and Have him with you, in you, working through you. It's the best. And that's God's heart for you. So what are you saying? What are you saying about yourself? There's more to say because God, if God is with you, who can be against you, right? May you be a people who eagerly desire his presence in your life. Like Brother Lawrence who practiced the presence of God in everything while he was even doing the dishes. God's presence, he is with you. Do not be afraid. He's calling you to something. Do not be afraid because he is with you. Let's pray together. And I want to invite you to have a dialogue with God in your heart right now about who you are. I know God's speaking to some of you already in a private way, and I just want you to respond to God in your own heart. Tell Him that you hear Him. The identity of who you are in Christ. I want to invite you just to pray the simple prayer. Lord, clarify my idea of who I am in Christ. Just pray that in your heart. Clarify my idea of who I am in Christ. Find a scripture that speaks to you, that a part of your calling, your gifting. May God give you to a scripture that begins to define who you are. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are at work in this place, in this world. We thank you that uh, you love us.
Father, I pray your spirit would uh, work in the hearts of these people who hear that would uh, cement this idea about being a follower of Christ, that that would be who their identity, how they define themselves in Christ as a follower of Jesus. And I pray you would raise up uh, those few that I sense are in this room that are called for great things in the Spirit in this room. I pray that you would uh, take away the distractions and the, the doubt that keeps uh, them from believing who they are in Christ is true. For you have put your hand on many people here in this room to raise them up in this time to be effective lights for you where they are. And even now you're calling more people to yourself in this group to come back to the things that they once loved, the devotion of following you. For in these days, this is what the Lord says, that there are those who fear the Lord who begin to organize their life after Him before the trouble comes. And God says that He's putting your name in His book, taking note of those who fear Him, and putting your name in a book as those who follow Him so that when the terrible days come, and they're coming, that you will be preserved and set aside. And don't think that you can live any way you want, and when trouble comes, then you'll line up your life. God is noticing those who line up their lives now before the trouble comes. So I pray that you would receive grace today to line up your life according to the things that Christ has spoken. And I speak this for myself as well that we would be among those who fear the Lord and hold Him in reverence and live in honor of Him now. May God equip you with His Spirit to do every good work. May you be people who are strong in the Word and strong in Spirit, that you might conquer temptation, that you might live for what is right, that you might help those in need, that you might be love, lovers of men who are poor, and needy, that God would equip you to be who you were called to be. And I speak this as a blessing over your church, that you would rise up as a church to be a church of good works, full of the Holy Spirit in a time when people need service and compassion. Without greed, without malice, without resentment, May you be those who live for Christ with his joy and gladness. May God, you raise up this church to be who you've called this church to be. For your glory and honor, God, for your praise, that more might be added to a knowledge of you. We ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Let's all say amen. amen. And let's all say, God is, great. God is great. And let's say together, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Anything else? God. That's it, right?